Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Storytime Madness. Today we're going to begin Stay 5 of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We're going to get this book finished very soon as it is the 31st of January. So we've passed Christmas now. It's a, we're through the longest month, or what feels like the longest month of the year now. Past January, and we're into February tomorrow, so that'll lighten everyone's spirits and we can keep going. However, at Let's Talk, we'll continue to bring you wonderful stories every week on a Wednesday, um, and we will read a couple of pages from our chosen book. Please participate in our um, form. Um, that we have given out uh, there is a poll on Spotify which you can get involved in in this episode we are going to attach a um, Google form uh, which you are very welcome to get involved in so please do that That uh, on there there will be lots of options to choose which book you would like us to read next so please get involved in that so without further ado Let's begin Stave 5 of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Stave 5, the end of it. Yes, and the bedpost was his own. The bed was his own. The room was his own. Best and happiest of all, the time before him was his own to make amends in. I live in the past, the present and the future, Scrooge repeated as he scrambled out of bed. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. O oh, Jacob Marley, heavens and the Christmas time be praised for this. <clears throat> I say it on my knees, old oh, Jacob, on my knees. <clears throat> he was flustered and so glowing with his good intentions that his broken voice would scarcely answer to his call. He had been sobbing violently in his conflict with the spirit and his face was wet with tears. They are not torn down, Scrooge, said Scrooge, folding one of his bed curtains in his arms. They are not torn down, ring and all. They are here, I am here. The shadows of the things that would have been may be dispelled. They will be, I know they will be. His hands were busy with his garments all this time, turning them inside out, putting them on upside down, tearing them mislaying them, making them parties to every kind of extravagance. I don't know what to do, cried Scrooge, laughing and crying in the same breath, and making a perfect lacoon of himself with his stockings. I am as light as a feather, I am as happy as an angel, <coughs> I am as merry as a schoolboy, I am as giddy as an old drunken man. Merry Christmas to everybody. A, ha <coughs> a happy new year to the world. Hello here. Whoop. Hello. He had frisked into the living room and was now standing there, perfectly winded. There's the saucepan that the gruel was in, cried Scrooge, starting up again and going around the fireplace. 
There's the door by which the ghost of Marley entered. There's the corner where the ghost of Christmas present sat. There's the window where I saw the wandering spirit. It's all right. It's true. It all happened. <laughs> really, for a man who had been out of practice for so many years, it was a splendid laugh. A most illustrious laugh. The father of a long, long line of brilliant laughs. I don't know what day of the month it is, said Scrooge. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I don't know anything. I'm quite a baby. Never mind, I do care. I'd be a baby. Hello, a whoop. Hello there. He was checked in his transport by the churches, ringing out the, the lushest pearls he had ever heard. Clash, clang. Hammer, ding, dong, bell, dong, ding, hammer, clang, clash. Oh, glorious, glorious. Running to the window, he opened it and put his head out. No fog, no mist, clear, bright, jovial, stirring, cold. Cold piping for the blood to dance to. Golden sunlight, heavenly sky. Sweet, fresh air, merry bells. Oh, glorious, glorious. What's today? cried Scrooge, calling down to a boy in his Sunday clothes, who perhaps had loitered in to look about him. Eh, uh, returned the boy, with all his might of wonder. What's today, my fine fellow? said Scrooge. Today? replied the boy. Why, Christmas Day. It's Christmas Day, said Scrooge to himself. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do... They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Hello, my fine fellow. Uh, hello, turned the boy. Do you know the poulterers? In the next street but one. At the corner? Scrooge inquired. I should hope I did, replied the lad. <laughs> An intelligent boy, said Scrooge. A remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold the price turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little price turkey, the, the big one. What, the, the one the size of me, returned the boy. What, <coughs> what a delightful boy, said Scrooge. This is a pleasure to talk to him. Yes, my buck. It's hanging there now, replied the boy. Is it? said Scrooge. Go and buy it. Walker, exclaimed the boy. No, 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 said Scrooge. <coughs> I am earnest. Go and buy it. And tell them to bring it here, that I may give them the direction to take it. Come back with the man, and I shall give you a shilling. Come back with him in less than five minutes, and I shall give you half a crown. <coughs> the boy was off like a shot. He must have had a steady hand at a trigger, who could have got a shot off half so fast. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's whispered Scrooge, rubbing his hands and splitting with a laugh. He shan't know who sends it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim. Joe Miller never made such a joke as sending it to Bob's will be. <coughs> the hand in which he wrote the address was not a steady one, but write it he did somehow and went downstairs to open the street door ready for the coming of the poulterer's man. <laughs>
as he stood there waiting for the arrival. The knocker caught his eye. I shall love it as long as I live, cried Scrooge, patting it with his hand. I scarcely ever looked at it before. What an honest expression on its face. It's a wonderful knocker. Here's the turkey. Hello, Rob. How are you? Merry Christmas. It was the turkey. He never could have stood upon its legs, that bird. He would have snapped them off in a minute, like sticks of sealing wax. Why, it's impossible to carry that to Camden Town, said Scrooge. You must have a cab. The turkey with which he said this, and the chuckle... The chuckle with which he said this, and the chuckle with which he paid for the turkey, and the chuckle with which he paid for the cab, and the chuckle with which he recompensated the boy, were only to be exceeded by the chuckle with which he sat down breathless in his chair again, and chuckled till he cried. Shaving was not an easy task. For his hand continued to shake very much, and shaving requires attention, even when you don't dance <coughs> while you are at it. But if you had cut the end off his nose, he would have put a piece of sticking plaster over it, and been quite satisfied. He dressed himself all in his best, and at last got out into the streets. The people were by this time pouring forth, as he had seen them, with the ghost of Christmas present, and walking with their hands behind them. Scrooge regarded everyone with a delightful smile. He looked so irresistibly pleasant, in a word, that three or four good-humoured fellows said, Good morning, sir, and Merry Christmas to you. And Scrooge said often afterwards that all the blithe sounds he had ever heard, those were the blithest in his ears. He had not gone far when coming on towards him, he beheld the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting house the day before and said, Scrooge Marley's, I believe. It sent a pang across his heart to think how this old gentleman would look up to him when they met. But he knew what path lay straight before him, and he took it. My dear sir, said Scrooge, quickening his pace and taking the old gentleman by both hands. How do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It's very kind of you. A Merry Christmas to you, sir. Uh, uh, Mr. Scrooge? Uh, yes, said Scrooge. That is my name. <clears throat> and, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. And will you have the, the goodness... Here Scrooge whispered in his ear. <coughs> Lord bless me, cried the gentleman, as if his breath were taken away. My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? If you please, said Scrooge. Not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favour? My dear sir, said the other, shaking hands with him. I don't know what to say to such a... Oh, magnificent! Don't say anything, please," retorted Scrooge. "Come and see me. Will you come and see me?" "I, I will," cried the old gentleman, and it was clear he meant it.
Thank you, said Scrooge. I'm obliged to you. I thank you fifty times. God bless you. He went to church and walked about the streets and watched the people hurrying to and fro and patted children on the head and questioned beggars and looked down into the kitchens of houses and up to the windows and found that everything could yield him pleasure. He had never dreamed that any walk, that anything could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house. He passed the door a dozen times before he had the courage to go up and knock. But he had made a dash and did it. Is your master at home, my dear? Said Scrooge to the nice girl. Uh, yes, yes, sir. Where is he, my love? Said Scrooge. He's in the dining room, sir, along with the mistress. I'll show you upstairs, if you please. Uh, thank you. He, he knows me, said Scrooge, with his hands already on the dining room lock. I'll go in here, my dear. He turned it gently and sidled his face in round the door. They were looking at the table, which was spread out in a great array, for these young housekeepers are always nervous on such points and like to see that everything is right. Fred, Scrooge, dear heart alive, how his niece by marriage started. Scrooge had forgotten for the moment about her sitting in the corner with the footstool, or he wouldn't have done it on any account. Why, bless my soul, cried Fred. Who's that? It's I, your Uncle Scrooge. I've come for dinner. Will you let me in, Fred? Let him in? It is a mercy he didn't shake his arm off. He was at home in five minutes. Nothing could be heartier. His niece looked just the same. So did Topper when he came. So did the plump sister when she came. So did everyone when they came. Wonderful, yes, wonderful games, wonderful unanimity, wonderful happiness. He was early at the office next morning. Oh, he was early there. If he could only be there first and catch Bob coming late. That was the thing he had set his heart upon. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. Still no Bob. He was a full eighteen minutes and a half behind his time. Scrooge sat with the door wide open that he might see him come into the tank. His hat was off, he opened the door, his comforter too. He was on his stool in a jiffy, driving away with his pen as if he were trying to overtake nine o'clock. Hello, growled Scrooge in his accustomed voice as near as he could feign it. What do you mean coming here at this time of day? Uh, I'm very sorry, sir, said Bob. I'm, I'm behind my time. You are, repeated Scrooge. Yes, I think you are. Step this way, sir, if you please. It's only once a year, sir, pleaded Bob, appearing from the tank. It shall not be repeated. And I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. (coughs) 
Now I tell you what, my friend, said Scrooge. I am not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, continued leaping from his stool and giving Bob such a dig in the waistcoat that he staggered back into the tank again. And therefore, I am about to raise your salary. Bob trembled and got a little nearer to the ruler. He had a momentary idea of knocking Scrooge down with it, holding him and calling to the people in the court for help and a straight coat. A Merry Christmas, Bob, said Scrooge, with an earnest that could not be mistaken as he clapped him on the back. A Merry Christmas, Bob, my good fellow. Then I've given you for many a year. I'll raise your family. Uh, raise your salary and endeavour to assist your struggling family, and we will discuss your affairs this afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking bishop, Bob. Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another, Bob Cratchit. Scrooge is better <coughs> than his word. He did it all and indefinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became a good friend, as a good master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any good old city, town or borough, in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh, and little heeded them. For he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good at which some people did not have their fill of laughter in the outset. And knowing that such as these would be blind away, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up in their eyes and grins. As have the madly in less attractive forms. His own heart laughed, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle, even afterwards, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well, if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Storytime Madness. That is the end of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. We hope you really enjoyed this book. We've really enjoyed reading it, and we hope it's lightened up your Christmases and lightened up your January. We have now finished A Christmas Carol right in time for the last day of January, and um, please take part in our form to decide what we will be starting to read next Wednesday. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next Wednesday to read you another story. Bye-bye.